0: Morning, everyone. Um, so we're travelling through. <coughs> excuse me. We're travelling through uh, one John, a letter of one John, a little letter. And uh, so, May, it's lovely to see you. I'm Liz, Andy's wife. All right. <laughs> it's really nice to see you. Uh, the overall title is Living and Loving, and in a way, that's kind of the title that I've taken mostly for this talk. Now, if you sat down and read the whole letter of 1 John, it would take you about 20 minutes, you could be um, forgiven for thinking, hey, it's a little bit repetitive. You know, you might get to a point of thinking, well, hang on, didn't he say that before? And I just think it's helpful before we get too far through 1 John to realise that this is John's style and it does have a purpose. He wants us to meditate, to linger thoughtfully, maybe even to tussle over some really profound truths that he's wanting to share with us. He wants to allow us to really, to, to let these things take root, to really let them, sink in. So there is repetition and there is a point to it. So the central theme the theme of being in loving relationship with God and consequently with each other that's the central theme and there's a direct correlation that Paul, uh, that um, John is saying about how we relate to each other. If we're in relationship with God, we're loving God, then we're gonna love each other. There's a direct correlation. You will live lovingly with those around you if you are in loving fellowship with God through believing that Jesus is the son of God and his sacrifice for sin. And when you fail to do that, there's forgiveness, and there's a possibility of getting on back on track. Now, <clears throat> this loving fellowship with God and with each other, and John stresses this again and again, is because Jesus pre-existed as the Word of God in loving fellowship with the Father and with the Spirit. There they were, that Trinity, the Word the Father, the Spirit. And there they are in loving fellowship together. God is love. And then the word became human. And John really stresses this, doesn't he? We touched, we saw, we heard. He was a physical person. Now, this is massive mystery here. Let's not pretend we're going to sort it all out this morning. We need to linger. We need to think. We need to tussle. As if the the mystery of the Trinity from eternity past is not mysterious enough. Well, how is it that we as fallen human beings can be drawn into the eternal love of the Godhead? This takes some repeating and it med- merits our meditation, I suggest. We're drawn into that love that always existed. And Jesus became human and showed it to us. Now, this theme, these themes, they resound again and again through John's letter. And, you know, it feels to me like a beautiful symphony. It's a, you know, the melody keeps coming again and again. Now it's with the violins, now it's with the flutes. Oh, there's a snatch of it. Oh, is that a variation of it? And so, of course, we keep hearing the tune in a symphony because that's what it's all about and that's what's resolved at the end. And this might help. If we think about the worship songs that we sing, going from classical to that kind of music that we sing... We have a lot of different kind, we have songs that we sing that have a lot of different words in them and a lot of different ideas and really quite a narrative going on. And we have other songs that we sing that are full of repetition. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. And this type of song has a purpose and a place in our (laughs) worship. They slow us down. They focus our minds. They make us meditative and reflective. And that's what John's letter should do for us. Keep that in mind as we go through it. (coughs) Excuse me. But John does have a narrative going on. His letter does move on to different things. So in each passage, as we continue to hear the familiar strains of who Jesus really was and of God's love, and our need to live in and out of that love, we are also introduced to connected but new thinking that helps us to grasp the main points. So the new idea, mingling with the main thing in this section, is what we're going to read, you'll notice as we read, Chapter 2 and verses 3 to 11, which is the first part of this morning's passage. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Oh dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you, rather it's an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment. To love one another is the same message you've heard before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So, the new idea, mingling, with the main theme in this section is that of commandments. I think you probably picked that up. Mm. Now, at their best, laws are made to keep us safe and to ensure justice for everyone. But sometimes, I've noticed, families have rules on their fridges, don't they? Or, you know, statements of what we all agree to. And really those kind of rules or laws are more about reflecting family values. They're more about living respectfully and peacefully with each other. I had some rules on my fridge for a quite long time for grandchildren, and one of them was, you must only clean your teeth in a bathroom. (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) The law that was given to the Israelites reflected the character of God okay and it was given out of love for his people that was the purpose of that law that's what it was all about now although John's letter is a lot of it's really quite gentle he does actually make as I expect you noticed this morning some really rather strong statements which kind of make you gulp a little bit And I think another thing as we go through this letter that we should really get hold of is that we should never, I mean actually anywhere in the Bible, we should never isolate strong statements and allow them to condemn us. We need to understand the message in the round. So we had in verse 4, I expect, and maybe you gulped a bit. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. Gosh, that's strong. So the important thing we need to think about is that although there are some seemingly uncompromising statements in John, we need to understand how is John using that word commandment? What meaning does he mean to convey? Right, when we think about the word commandment, we might think about the Ten Commandments when we read it in the Bible like this anyway. We might think about other aspects of the law given to God by Moses. But what John is introducing us to here, and much of his letter continues to be focused on exploring this, is how the old commandments were only ever a signpost, a sketching out of what a genuine, lovely, fruitful, human life could look like. I want to repeat that. That's what the whole lot was about. God was saying, this is what a genuine, lovely, fruitful human life could look like. And John is telling us that Jesus completely embodied the heart of God, which the commandments signpost. And that is all summed up, the whole kaboosh, in the word love. And John, can we have the Matthew reading up, please? John, uh, uh, Jesus famously summed this whole thing up when he was being asked about it in Matthew. He said, you must love The Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love, your neighbour as yourself. And then he really makes this clear, Jesus does. The entire law, all that Old Testament stuff about what you should and shouldn't do and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so John, in his letter, he he presents us with a conundrum, doesn't he? He says, I'm not giving you a new commandment. It's the old commandment. If you'd only understood what it was about. But it's also new. I'm giving you... It's not a new commandment. It's the old commandment. But Actually, it's also new. It's a conundrum. Because the res- death and resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And now everything has changed. And we don't need to strive and fail and sacrifice to keep commandments. Now we can be forgiven. And in loving relationship with God through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is wonderful for us as individuals. But the key point that John is making is that that has to make a difference in the way that we love others. Because we need to learn to love others with God's love flowing through us. Now, of course, no one is pretending that any of this is easy. Or that we get it right all the time. As Steve was talking about last week, we get off track. We mess up. I mean, that's too light to put it. You know, we mess up massively sometimes. But we need to get back on track because we can not always be forgiven. And the verse that Steve was using last week, just a little bit before my passage today, we have an advocate. Jesus is there advocating for us. There's always forgiveness. We can always get back. And the quicker we acknowledge our faults, the quicker we get back into that place of love. And that's what it is. But it's costly and it's difficult. And we need to be honest, mostly with ourselves. Living out of God's love is not as e- not easy. It's not how we feel, it's not about that, it's not about how. It's about how we behave, how we speak, how we act, how we react. It demands a daily victory over the old enemy who does his best to work through our weak spots if you're anything like me. Jesus is our model. He's our example. You know, back in the, was it 70s, 80s, people were wearing bracelets with what would Jesus do on? Well, it's a cliche. But it's actually a really good question for us to keep at the front of our minds. What would Jesus do? So the Christian community... Wherever it is, however, whatever it looks like, however, wh- however diverse it is, it should be a place of grace. Grace for each of us from our Heavenly Father, but also grace flowing through us to each other mm-hmm. and a willingness to say sorry when we fail, which we do. It is amazing and sad. How the smallest things sometimes in Christian communities can cause us to feel unkindly and irritable with each other. We need to guard against that. But of course, sometimes there are big things. They're not small things. There are big things that need to be dealt with and it's difficult. And I think that's one of the brilliant things about taking communion together. When we take bread and wine, And we pass it around and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We also show our unity with each other. That's a really big part of what we're doing. And it's such a good time, which we're pretty well always called to do, to examine our hearts before we take bread and wine. I think, you know, am I allowing unkind and unhelpful thoughts to take some kind of root in my heart? Is there a difficulty I'm allowing to become a really big thing? Anyway, <clears throat> there's something else in this uh, passage we've got before us this morning. Just in case we're beginning to think that John's making it all sound a bit tra- straightforward. You know, the real world's really not li- like that, John. It's a bit more complicated. It's okay. I love God, so I love each other. What? Yeah, but you know. So we do get some hints in the second part of the passage that we're going to look at in a minute about John knows what we're up against. It's a bit like, for me, the way John's whole letter works is a bit like this. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're beginning to get a beautiful sunset and you look out and there's just sort of little streaks of purple and orange, it's just beginning. And then it carries on and it gets more intense. Okay? Okay. That's a bit like what John's letter's like. He kind of throws a few things in. He mentions things. And then what happens is that later on in his letter, he comes back to those things again. Okay, that's how it works. And uh, so in verses 12 to 14, which we're going to look at now... John seems to do something quite different from the first part that I've already read. He kind of breaks out into joyful, exuberant song. It's as if his heart bursts with love and care for this new family of God, this baby church that he's writing to. He's wanting to give them a big hug. He wants to affirm them in who they are and where their strength comes from and will continue to come from in order to live this life that he's calling them to. So let's just read this. And it does sort of, it's set out in my Bible. It looks a bit like a poem. It looks a bit like a song. And this is what he says. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. He's stating all these things. He's affirming the truths that we've got to stand on. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith, because you have won the battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children, because you know the Father. This is like the second verse. I have written to you who are mature in the faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith. Because you are strong, God's word lives in your hearts. You have won your battle with the evil one. It's just this massive outpouring of who you are, guys. This is who you are. This is who God is. This is what you know. This is what you can stand on. This is where your strength is going to come from, to do the things I want you to do to, to live like you should live and it's lovely that this is not just for leaders or mature Christians it's for everyone in God's family and if you think about the situation they were in despite persecution and many difficulties the church is growing Jesus followers are increasing all kinds of people all over the place, are responding to the message that they can be in loving relationship with God. And it's in this song that you get this thing that I compared with the first little strands of a sunset. Uh, He's dropped something in that he's going to develop later in his letter, and it's this. You have overcome the evil one. You have won your battle with the evil one. So just in case we're thinking it's all getting a little bit too cosy, a little bit too easy sounding, there's just the hint that we're in a battle. We know it inside us. We try to do the right thing and there's a battle going on. And when we're trying to walk in the light, we're doing it knowing that there is actually darkness all around us. This is the hint that he drops into this song that's going to be explored later in the letter. So for me, as I have sort of tussled with some of these truths, and I have tussled with it this week, actually, and sought God for what the message is, I think there are three things that have really settled in my heart for you this morning I want to share with you. And number one is, it's true. It's true that the eternal word of God became human and that I can now be drawn in and walk in the love of God that always existed. It's a massive mystery, but it's true. It's filled my heart this week. And my prayer is that it'll fill yours this morning. The second thing is that the closer I walk with God, the more I trust him, the more I will be able to experience his love and share it with those around me and find the strength for whatever stuff is coming. And number three is that there is actually deep joy to be found in this life of love. Can, maybe the musicians can come up as we just sort of pause for a moment. Can I can ask you to stand with me if you can, please. Mighty God we thank you we don't understand it but we thank you we bow before you and we thank you that you have drawn us each one of us into your great love we thank you for the safety and security of being in that place and Lord we pray You will grow faith in us this morning. The eternal word of God became human and lived among us. Father, we thank you and we ask that you will come to each one of us this morning in a new and deep way. And that you will fill us with your love for those around us. That we will win our daily battles when it's really hard to love as we should. And we thank you and bring ourselves to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.